Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hi, my name is Grigor Dimitrov, and you're listening to Tennis Podcast. Hi, I'm Mats Vilander, and you are listening to the Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, a hot and humid day in Melbourne, Australia. It is day, how many are we up to now, Catherine? About 75, something Day four, like that. isn't it? Oh, God, it doesn't feel like that. Crikey, it's been a long gold night last night because, of course, Rafael Nadal finally got through to round three. That was only the second round, Catherine. 7-5 in the fifth set, a four-hour, I think it was seven-minute epic against the world number 112. Yeah, he's looking good for that final, isn't he? <laughs> I still believe. Uh, however, before we talk to you anymore about that, Catherine, because I know you're going to give me a hard time, I'd much rather introduce our special guest of the day, Barry Flatman of the Sunday Times and the Times of London newspaper. Barry, how are you doing? Hello, David. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well. What were your uh, per- perceptions of last night? I mean, your reaction to that? Because I'd never even heard of Tim Smithcheck, had you? I'd vaguely heard of him, but if I if I passed him in the street, I wouldn't have had a clue who he was. Um, but good for him. He uh, he played his part in a massive, massive story. He sure did. And and Nadal really looked in a terrible physical state, didn't he? Yeah, you you've got to applaud the the guy because I don't know the majority of players. I don't know whether they would succumb to that. Yeah, Rafa, Rafa was very nearly throwing up on court. Rafa was in a terrible state. Um, but he kept on going, kept on going, believed he could still win, had the will, and uh, came through in the end. Whether he would have done that against a more accomplished player, you can only, you can only speculate. But you can only play the matches that you're presented with, and that's what he did last night, and he did it admirably. Just one and Barry, we had a relatively pointed tweet from Andy Murray this afternoon, yeah. uh, making the point that uh, in the US Open, when he was cramping, he felt that maybe the response wasn't what you've just described about Rafa Nadal, about how courageous he'd been to fight through it, and, and maybe that he was treated a little differently. Is that fair? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, in that the public, everyone loves Rafa, right? That's, that's just a given in tennis. Everyone loves Rafa. But, but so Rafa is forgiven. And I think sometimes Murray, who, who does get criticised for blinking sometimes, uh, just gets a little bit fed up with it. I think he might have a point. Mm. Yes, he, he probably does, doesn't he? Catherine, 
Rafael Nadal, what were your perceptions of, of how he looked? I mean, do you think that I am completely out of order having predicted that he's going to go into the second week, given what you've seen? I know you don't think he'll do what I think he will do and reach the final. Um, I'm not surprised he eventually came through. Um, I don't disagree with any of, of what Barry said. I found his celebration, his victory celebration, a, a quite breathtaking moment. Just, just Not just because it was obviously very special and emotional, but to be celebrating a second round victory over Tim Smicek as if you've won the tournament is, I think, not indicative of the mentality of a man that but thinks he's going to... He was celebrating beating the hand that his health had dealt him rather than celebrating beating a player ranked 112 or whatever he is in the world. Absolutely. The celebration was appropriate for the occasion. I don't think any of the crowd were thinking, God, he's overreacting. It did feel like it was that monumental an achievement. However, if if beating Tim Smicek in the second round and all that you're having to overcome to do that is that monumental an achievement, are you in the mindset of, yes, I think I can win this tournament? I'm not sure that he really deep down is... Yeah, I'm I, sure I, he's not. I'm sure. I mean, if you spoke to Rafa before this tournament, um, he was insistent that, that you know, he's, he wasn't a contender because he just hasn't prepared enough, he hasn't played enough matches. But as, as David often points out, he does always say that. He yeah. does always play down. Should, he, should, he, should a champion like Rafa, you, you sort of think with champions, they, they must always think, would you come into a tournament if deep down you thought, I can't. I, I know I can't win this. I, I think that that is part of the recovery, though, isn't it? To play at this level, to grind it out, to see how far you can push yourself. And he need, he keeps saying, "I, I don't uh, haven't played enough matches." Well, fine, play some best of five set matches, and that will quickly sort itself out, won't it? So I can understand why he's here. So yes, yeah, so can I. Um, you know, what would he have done otherwise? Would he have sat at home and watched it on the television? No. Um, Maybe he just wants to, you know, get a few five-set matches under his belt, which he's, which he's doing. Plus, you never know with him, do you? What no. I mean is he can play himself into fitness and form, I think probably quicker than many, just by grinding it out like that. But, but how much of last night and the struggles he faced were about fitness and, and form, though? Um, I mean, what, what do you mean by fitness and form? Do you think he is not fully fit? Do you think that's what he is? Cause well, look at the state fit, of him. Not fully fit is different to lacking match practice and not quite being in the well, mental state I mean, the main problem was a physical is, one. What's, do we yeah, know? But, but do we no, actually no, hang know? Hang on, hang on, hang on. He said he started hurting in the first set. It, was, it wasn't as if when he got to the fifth, he suddenly collapsed. He was hurting. So it appears to me that he had some form of bug you know he had a bit of food poisoning or I don't know what but that, that, that dehydrated him and was causing him to cramp but he said that he felt unwell from the first set now however unfit Rafa might or might not be he wouldn't be feeling it in the first set unless unless he had some sort of virus or or, or, or had eaten something that hadn't agreed with him well, we'll never know completely. I did speak to Sebastian Fest, one of the Spanish-speaking journalists here at the Australian Open, who said he'd heard from the doctor of Nadal, who said that he, he'd been suffering from dehydration and he'd been excessively sweating in the first set and hadn't been able to re replace the, uh, the, the minerals and the uh, moisture that he'd lost during the match and was suffering.
I know, I know how he feels. <laughs> Pretty hot. I'll tell you, we've just stepped outside the press room, which is beautifully air-conditioned by a flatman. And you, you, the look on your face when I brought you just five yards outside into what feels like a sauna. Dear, oh dear, I thought you were going to crack me one. Never, David. Don't, don't, no, I would never do that. I it's hot out here, though, isn't it? Well, well, if you don't like the heat, get out of the kitchen, as they say, <laughs> don't they? What do you think of these conditions, though? I mean, it, it's, we had about five days in a row last year, didn't we, of 40 degrees plus. It's not on that level. No, no, it's not. And, you know, the thing they say about Melbourne is if you don't like the weather, stick around because it's going to change. So we could all wake up tomorrow and it's, it's 20 degrees cooler and, and the air's a lot clearer. So you can, you can never judge the way, you know, I mean, we are, what, a quarter of a way through the tournament? So you can never judge what it's going to be like come the sharp end. Based on the first three days of what you've seen, we've seen all the main runners and riders now. Tomorrow, we're going to have the uh, the bottom half of the draw again, which is the really packed section with yeah. all the big names in it. What do you think is going to happen the next week and a half, Barry? Because Andy Murray's got what you would think on paper is a relatively straightforward third round match against João Sousa of Portugal, but then it starts to get difficult, doesn't it, potentially? Very, about as difficult as it could possibly get. With, with all the names that, that appear to be stacked up for him to play. Now, you know, we know that, that more often than not, things don't quite work out as planned. Um, but it would appear, if, this, if the seedings are, are, are right, then his run says, after Souza, Dimitrov, Federer, <coughs> Nadal, Djokovic. That's about as tough as it gets. Isn't it? <laughs> it is a bit. What do you think is going to happen? What do I think is going to happen? Because um, yeah, we have all these predictions, Barry, and, and I think that Nadal's going to come through that bottom half of the draw, and, and I think Murray's going to play Federer, and eventually Federer and Nadal are going to meet, and then Nadal's going to win and reach the final. What do you think? No, I don't. I don't. I, don't, I can't. If, if, if Rafa is in the physical state that he's in, maybe, maybe in two days he'll make an amazing recovery, but I think he's, he's dodged a bullet against Smizek. I don't think, given a more seasoned experienced opponent, I don't think they'd let him off the hook in the, in the way that Schmeizek did. I think Catherine wants to say something. Honestly, David, honestly, look me in the eye and tell me after last night you still think he's making the final. You've got sunglasses on, I can't <laughs> see your eyes. Yeah, fence firmly sat upon. No, I have to say, having seen last night, did did make me wonder, really, whether he, even Nadal, has the resources within him to, to reach the sort of level that can even get him to Federer. My view is that if he plays Federer, the record is such that he's the favourite. Well, that's, that's, that's a week away, more than a week away still, isn't it? And, and Rafa's health could improve immeasurably in that time. We don't know. We don't know, we don't know how he is at the moment, do we? We don't know how he was... When he woke up this morning, um, he's supposed to be practicing very late afternoon, early evening. Perhaps we'll get more of an idea then. But we have no idea how he rebounded after that ultimate physical test. No, we don't. But what do you think about uh, the the matchups for Murray? Do you do you see him coming through Dimitrov if they play each other? Uh, that's a tough one, isn't it? You oh, know? You're, on, you're on the line now, Barry. Come on. Yes, I do. I do. I, th I think he w will beat Dimitrov. I think, I think when he lost to him at Wimbledon, there was just too much going on in, in you know, defending a title, public expectation, blah blah blah. 
I think it was just, and, and, I, and I don't think Murray was playing exceptionally well then. Um, I think it, we're still very early in the year. You know, we can't make crash judgments on, on but he appears to be look, looking fitter, moving well. Now completely into the Maresmo coaching setup, which he wasn't at Wimbledon. So I, th but I don't think it's going to be easy. And I, th I think in two years, Dimitrov is going to be the man to beat. Wow, You're that good. Mm. Yeah, I do. I do. Barry's been listening to the tennis podcast. He's taking our <laughs> tips. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's why he comes on. That's why he's our second time uh, guest here on the tennis podcast. He was on two years ago, and he's the only person we've invited back. But uh, he'll be on again, too. Uh, Barry, now, given you think that maybe Murray will get through Dimitrov, do you think then Federer will pick up the pieces and put, him, put Murray away? I'm afraid I do. Yeah, I, I, I just think Federer has got everything back in place. Um, the, the, the unknown we've got with Federer is whether he could come through back-to-back five-set ma five matches. Um, you know, the, the back was a bit of a problem at the end of last year. Probably adrenaline and patriotism got him through the Davis Cup final. He's obviously had the best sort of preparation, the best sort of medical attention, physical attention that he could possibly have in, in the very, very short off-season. Um, I, I re just remember the last... Murray had the upper hand over Head Federer in a head-to-head -head for a long time. It's not that way now. Federer, of late, has got the better of Murray, and I just think that's going to happen again. Who's going to win the title then, Barry, on the men's side? Do you know what? I would love it to be... Well, if it's not, you know, without, without my Union Jack hat on, I would love it to be Federer. I just think that he is, he is a great, great player. Well, that's stating the blinding, the obvious, isn't it? But he, he is somebody as special as a game of tennis has ever seen. And I, I think that, that it, I mean, I'm, I'm not putting it beyond the bounds of possibility that he also wins Wimbledon this year. I just think he's got his mojo back, hasn't he? So you, he's your pick for the title? Yeah. Yeah. We should tell him who John McEnroe thinks is going to win Wimbledon this year, shouldn't we? Yeah, John McEnroe thinks that Grigor Dimitrov is going to win Wimbledon. Does he? Win Wimbledon? Well, I wouldn't dare disagree with him. <laughs> <laughs> Me either. Uh, now, on the, on the women's side uh, today, Serena Williams came through relatively straightforwardly. Maria Sharapova had a right old yeah. struggle. I tell you, I was sweating a bit yesterday because my picks for the title, Maria Sharapova. I kept getting these texts from Catherine saying, "Are you are you still as sure? Are you a bit, on a scale of one to ten? How confident are you? Uh, and and or rather, how worried are you? How scared are you?" I said zero. That's how scared I am. But the fact of the matter is, she really was on the brink of defeat, wasn't she? But sometimes champions have got to win those sort of matches to set themselves up. Indeed, indeed. It's not the first time that Maria Sharapova's been in a situation like that. You know, she was playing against a, a, a qualifier ranked 150 in the world. She didn't know anything about it, although, although they're both Russians. Um, she said she didn't know a thing about her. Um, Whereas, you know, if if, she, if it was a, a name player, say somebody in top 20, top 30, she would have known everything about them and known how to beat them. Um, in the end, the only thing that got Sharapova through 
was was Panova choking. Oh, that's a bit yeah. harsh, Barry. What about when she was match point down and she went and walloped two winners? Well, yeah, but she was 5-2 up in the final set, wasn't she? That's true, yeah. You know, I mean, given, given that scoreline, you do expect players to, to round it off then, and, and nerves got the better of her. Still, though, she, she won those match points against her. She, she, it wasn't Panova that lost them. She won them. I love the way that when she's under the cosh and really under the cosh, she goes for the lines even more and she belts the ball even harder. I think that's, that's to be admired. I'd love to know whether that's a conscious decision on her part or whether instinct just takes over and that's what her body tells her to do. I suspect it's the latter, but uh, whatever, whatever it is, it's fantastic to watch. Quick title prediction from Barry for the women. Well, it's, I mean, it's not very exciting, but Serena Williams, you know... I, more often than not, if Serena Williams doesn't win a title, it's because Serena Williams has beaten Serena Williams. Um, yeah, Serena. Shall, shall, shall I tell Barry who, who David thinks is going to beat Serena Williams this year? Go Prepare on, to laugh, Barry. He thinks Maria Sharapova is going to do it in the final. It's only ten years that she hasn't beaten her. <laughs> well... We're not allowed to bet anymore, are we, David? But I would, I would have loved to have taken a tenner off you on that. <laughs> well, that's right. Well, Barry, great to have you with us on the Tennis Podcast. It's a pleasure, David. It's a pleasure. And we'll speak to you soon. Do enjoy the tennis. And we'll be back in a couple of days. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.